Big shout out to DJ Tom. Hold on, hold on, hold on. My bad. My yeah, bad. You're messing up, bro. I'm not outside. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, big shout out to DJ Tony Tonto the Great. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you see yes, her? Ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I had to cut off right there, man. We appreciate you. Thank you. 100% my brother every time, each and every time. You know what I mean? I'll be trying, man. I'll be trying. I'll be trying. Yeah, before we before we jump over, just how how um how is Charlotte looking as far as the COVID nineteen effect, you know, in the city? Uh, I can say uh everybody uh let me be politically politically correct. Uh, everybody is at the park. You know what I'm saying? You know, people that go to the park, they are at the park, like uh like it's a job and. It makes no sense. Like they really don't care. Like it's honestly, they don't care at all. Yeah. But I can't say anything either because I don't. I really don't care honestly because I haven't been wearing a mask. But honestly, but I also haven't been anywhere. Okay. Like, so this is balanced uh, though. Yeah. So, but yeah, they at the park like daily. Like I can go out there right now and like they there like full fledged. It's funny you say that. Um, I was talking to my co-teachers, which they also don't believe in you know, um, yeah. staying at home, mm. and. A big part of it is misconceptions and misunderstanding, like which I definitely feel like the government dropped the ball on. Um, mm-hmm. They're not telling you what to be scared of or what to be mindful of. Mindful of, like, yeah. Her exact quote was, I mean, sitting at home is not going to make it go away. So I just feel like <laughs> the hospitals are ready for it now. So that's that's why I'm really excited about our episode today, because she was just like, I mean, we stayed home for two months. The hospital should be ready by now. Yeah, so I doubt I doubt that, though. <laughs> we just got 500 new cases in Charlotte alone this morning. So I really think it's a misconception on yeah. what being home is doing. So, like, some people are like, the, you know, the virus out there regardless. So, yeah. and then you have to be immune to it. You know, like, get a little bit of germs in you. So it's, it's really a misconception. Get a little bit of germs in you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I, was thinking. I mean, like I said, I can't be rude. I, I can't blame everybody because, you know what I'm saying? I go, I wake up every morning, I walk the dog. Then you know what I'm saying. Afternoon come, I go outside and I try to exercise so I can lose my gut. You know what I'm saying. So it's all like that. So I can't blame everybody because I'm part of the problem too. Well, stay tuned for the rest of the episode so you could be more informed than the government has. You know, told us. At least, at least you're holding yourself accountable in your mistakes. Yeah, and tell James I need my donuts. He needs his donuts. We're gonna make <laughs> We appreciate you, my brother. We're gonna see you next week. Next week, we got the ACG alumni party. It's going to be a whole lot of vibes. So make sure you check in next week right here with DJ Tony Tonto. Thank you, brother. Much love. Thank you. Peace. Yeah. What's up? What's up? What's up? How you feeling? You know what I'm saying? We're going to get in that real quick. But first, I want to welcome everybody to a Bevy Radio episode five, five, five. I go by the name of Brian Kurt White. That's Brian like Kobe. Kirk like Franklin, white like the color. Hello, hello, and my name is D. Ayat Solomon. Facts. That's the, that's the base of it. And it's, it's a blessing to be here. Um, we've kicking May off. We got our May lineup up. Today's episode, our topic that we're looking at is, is pretty simple. We want to know, is outside open yet? And it's great that I think, you know, after this year, outside will have a new definition as far as, you know, metaphorically. Or even directly, as far as what, how much some people cherish outside or the yeah. things outside. 
How, what what do you feel about outside? What does that mean to you? To me, literally outside is prior to this. I'm gonna say because now we're in a pre-corona and post-corona time period. So pre-corona, outside meant like getting lit with your friends, mm-hmm. you know. And now post-corona, outside to me is just like regular freedom. You know, it really reminds me of other countries that have like political reasons why they have curfews or political wars. So, you know, so being outside to me is just simply doing things now. It's not even about getting lit and having fun. It's just literally having the freedom to go outside without fear. Which could go to to when we talk about um, the different type of people who reside in America Hmm. or like outside with freedom. Um, the idea that I can do whatever I want whenever I want, it does say something about certain people or certain mindsets who are staying inside because before Corona, there were certain freedoms that a lot of Americans didn't have. So the idea of I'm missing some freedoms or shall I say privileges, that those things are being taken away from me right now. And I think it's honestly bigger than that. It's bigger than privileges because it's about who do you trust? Mm -hmm. So when we talk about demographically, there's a lack of trust in a certain community when it comes from government officials. So a government telling us it's open, I don't trust you. I don't care. So to me, you telling me it's open does not do anything for my anxieties and fear because we've already had that lack of trust. Yeah. Versus someone else who's never been um, disappointed, who's never been um, mistreated, who's never like it's kind of like a parent. If a parent never lets you down, if they say jump, you're going to jump. Mm-hmm. So I really feel like that's a big reason for the cities and states that are open. Why we see certain demographics having a good time. Yeah. On the other hand, Atlanta, mm. me, my people were outside with fireworks on Friday. Right. Parking lot pimping like they was having a good old time. But also, again, it's a demographic of people. who. Mm don't have that fear, you know, like they're, they're the same demographic of people. Again, I don't want to, you know, stereotype everyone, but majority were, you can't tell them to eat healthy because they already feel like when my time come, my time come, you know, so it's that same mentality. And then on the flip side, if I'm an essential worker and I'm going to, I'm working at the grocery store every single day, I'm being exposed to these people every single day. Y'all not going to tell me to not to go hang out with my friends in the parking lot. I'm putting myself in danger every day anyway. So, so I'm really excited about this episode. Yeah, definitely. And in Greenville, you know, things are a little back and forth. It's a lot of things, you know, that I'm observing and learning. But but before we, you know, dive into that, I also want to recognize that it's, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. Uh-huh. Uh, so every episode, we definitely want to chime in on that in some form or fashion. So I know I can come out the gate and ask you a simple question. Are you okay? Um, today, not so much. I think I'm below the line today. Like, um, mostly due to disappointments, you know, like, um, I'm trying to put it in the right way. (laughs) Like when you have expectations or Mm -hmm. you have a place of serenity, like, especially I'll use women as an example. If you go to a salon to get pampered and you, that's what you expect. You expect it to who. And you go there and the experience actually adds anxiety to you. You're disappointed. So you're no longer okay. You know, you're at a point where you're like, well, I could have done without that. Like that was supposed to help me. And it took away from me. 
So I'm I'm a little below okay today. Hopefully, prayerfully, and I can guarantee, you know, Mike, I can give you this spirit from here to there uh, that through this episode, through our personal conversation, we'll continue to, to bring you back here. There's nothing wrong with here. You know, don't let it defeat you. Take notes, you know, mental notes, uh, situational notes, trigger notes on where you are now. Yeah. It will always be brighter. Yeah. Okay. How are you? I'm, I'm good. It's been a... Um, it's been a, I won't say trying uh, week since last week, but it's it's been a week where a lot of self-realization has occurred. Mm. Um, I've learned to have to look in the mirror in a different way than I have in the past because who, who I thought um, I was and who I was happy about uh, wasn't good enough in certain forms. So I was, I was checked in a couple ways and I was able to respectfully Amongst people I love, be able to, you know, say, okay, Brian, you have this flaw and it comes from here. And it was more so not even like I'm telling you where it comes from. It was, they kind of led me to tap me on the on the face, on in the eye, on the heart, you know, in the soul. And, and for me to realize where it comes from. And and I'm, I'm proud to be able to take those lessons. I feel I feel bad about certain things, but moving forward, I can take the lessons and, and aim to do better and hope. Yeah. You know, not fall down. You'll be good. Bounce yeah. back. Realization is step number one. Absolutely, hundred percent. Um, so it's also Teacher Appreciation Week. So we want to shout out you. Thanks, you. you know, definitely want to give you a big shout out. Again, big shout out to all the teachers. Big shout out to all the essential workers. Big shout out to everyone who had a shift in how they work uh, during this time with the COVID nineteen pandemic. Actually, a baby radio was created off the, the, the reflex of COVID-19. We had always spoke on wanting to create a, a podcast of sorts, but we wanted it to be something different. We wanted to have a platform where in the future we could make it, you know, more than just something you listen to, but something you can experience yourself. Um, so shout out to everybody who's listening right now live. Shout out to everybody who's uh, listening after the live. And we hope we can uh, touch and affect lives. and and. COVID-19 brought us that. So it's a blessing. Yes. Blessings come out of it. So, and like just being able to educate people and Mm -hmm. have these conversations for people to actually listen to and get something from. Yep. And speaking of education, I know a lot of people, I mean, I think I go back to high school. I remember kids being in like nursing class and it was like a cult, right? They'd be in nursing class and they were like, you know, corded up and they'd be like, you know, dressing, they, they, I think you call them scrubs. You know what I'm saying? They just, they, they in there, you know, whipping up, throwing plastic hearts around. And then they think, I know they just at the hospital, they whole senior year coming back. And I go to college and, you know, we having fun. But then you got the nursing majors, they're going over here and like they're, they're nowhere to be seen. Next thing I know, they getting white coats and whatnot. And, you know, they're going to actual hospitals and helping people and, and, and spitting out words that I never heard of. And so COVID 19 has also brought, brought a realization of uh, a new importance of these individuals. So uh, I want to give a big shout out to all the nurses because it is Nurses Week alongside. Yes, I believe um, it's National yeah. Nurse Day today, right? Yes. So shout out to our nurses. And I think uh, with that, we can we can reach across the country. Um, given our topic for today is outside open yet and, and have our first guest, the one and only Miss Toya Williams. Woo! Happy hey nursing guys. day. 
Thank you. Whoop, whoop for Nurses Week. Nurses Day. We're excited. There we go. How are you doing today? Good. I'm good. I feel good. Nice weather outside. Glad to be on the radio show. Let's do it. Yes. We're glad to have you. Thank you. No problem. Absolutely. So at the gate, um, who are you? You know, tell us about yourself. What are you passionate about? And, and all of that good stuff. Yeah, sure. So I'm Toya Williams. I'm from Sumter, South Carolina. Merck City, as they affectionately call it. Um, originally from South Carolina, but I live in Los Angeles right now and working in Long Beach, California. Um, passionate about my nonprofit, the Hashtag Free Foundation, uh, solely about fortifying the African-American community and the underserved. And so this is definitely a platform where we can get that education out and make us a bit stronger while we battle coronavirus. Yes. Because we battle other things every day, way before Corona. Pre-Corona, right. post-Corona, we got other things we're battling. So just getting that education yes. out. We appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So if I may ask, how did you find yourself, a quick story, you don't have to give us the full breakdown, from yeah. Merck City to Long Beach? What, is, what did that path and journey look like? It was Tupac. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, it kind of was. But um, I started at MUSC. That's where I went to school. And then I went to Duke for two years. I did a new grad residency there. And then I started travel nursing. Mm-hmm. And I kind of always knew I wanted to be on the West Coast. I felt like they were more free and the vibe was real chilled and people could like be who they were. And that was so much more accepting. And so I moved over to this side as soon as I could. All I needed was a job. And mm. once I got that, it was go. So how long have you been in, in Long Beach as of now? Um, I've been working here in Long Beach for about an hour, about a year, <laughs> about an hour, <laughs> but a year. <laughs> That's that nursing okay. shift. Yeah. I know. It's taking me over. So I've been working here in Long Beach for about a year, but I've been in L.A. living here for about three and a half, almost four years. Okay. That's dope. So, so you're definitely an L.A. resident. And so I know, I, I know dozens of people who have moved since you've been there. So you got some clout while being there three and a half. I have a theory. I think yeah. after five years, you can claim that city. Like you can, you can stick to your hometown if that's what you're attached to. But after five years, you can, you can pick a new city. That's you, that's your home now. I can claim LA now. Okay. Like you can claim LA. Just like from LA. <laughs> there you go. I'm I'm from La La Land, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. So One so. More year. When's the last time you've been back home? You know, I was supposed to come home for the month of May. That's usually the break I take. I come home. I haven't been home since February. Mm-hmm. And you weren't able to take the break due to coronavirus. Um. Right. I just ex- extended my contract is basically what I did. Um, it was supposed to end April 30th, but because of the outbreak, I stayed. Well, out the gate, we appreciate all that you do, all that you are doing, yeah. putting yourself on the front line, exposing yourself to the invisible enemy, um, while also being an enemy to many other things. So, um, we 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 thank you, strong black woman. Yes, thank you guys, thank you. No problem. That. But that you know that that leads me to a question: How do we feel like, especially you haven't been home 
and you extended it because of this the virus. But then mm-hmm. you skip May to come home and you see the whole state is about to be open in May. Like, right. As you know, as a nurse, as a this is your home state. Like, how do you feel about that? Like, you mm-hmm. felt like okay, let me extend this. Obviously, it's you know, there's no need to come home. But now the whole state is open, basically. Right. And that's part of why I said no to going home because I didn't feel like South Carolina was ready. I mm. felt like they, we didn't really sit down when we were supposed to. We were still out doing things. We were still having social gatherings. We weren't really protecting ourselves. And South Carolina was one of the last states to actually hunker down, you know, and put a stay at home order in. Yeah. And I was, I feel safer here in Cali where we've been locked down since March than I do going home to South Carolina. That's major. Do you feel like, um, I don't know, like you said you feel safer because of the lockdown. Do you feel like the temperature of the people in California, in LA, especially where you are, they're okay with it? Like they're more understanding, like we're on lockdown because this virus versus we're itching to be outside. We're itching to be outside. I think everybody's itching to be outside. Like, but I have never seen LA traffic as light as it is right now. And it just shows how much people actually did listen to the stay at home orders when they were placed. Um, I think we were out and about March 16th. I remember that weekend, 14th to the 16th. And we were supposed to go to the skating rink. that Sunday night for R&B and 90s night. And that's when the mayor, Eric Garcetti, put in the order, like everything's shutting down. If you have a bar, anything open after nine o'clock, it's out, let no. And that's when this all started for us. Um, so I just, I think we, we listened and we were, we were in it longer. We're waist deep. That's kind of like ankle deep. Mm. Mm. And that's, that's interesting you say that because you said automatically it was like if you have a bar, close it. I feel like South Carolina as well as Georgia, um, I'm in Atlanta, it was staggered. It was like, oh, right. schools closed, work from home. And then two weeks later, they were like, oh, yeah, close the mall. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't an ultimate shutdown at one time. Right. Right. How do you feel about the people who feel like because we've been shut down for so long, the hospital's ready? Like. Y'all got it now. Y'all took y'all a little break. Now y'all equipped. You guys are ready. You're trained. Y'all got this. Now that break <laughs> never happens. <laughs> but are we ready? I think so. Um, I think we kind of know what we're looking for. Um, we have a little bit more data. We, we've had patients come in, so we're kind of trending what similarities these patients have um, diagnostically um, from a lab perspective from their physical picture. Um, And we have more tests. Before we were like scrounging for a test here and there because we didn't have enough and they were taking so long for us to get them. And now um, here in Long Beach at the hospital I'm at right now, we can test a person and have the results by the end of the day or early the next morning. So we're getting it like in a 12 hour turnaround versus almost a week when this first came out. Yeah, I do remember like the turnaround was like, you got a test. You done spread it to 20 more people. And then right. you got the results. Right. Eternity. Yeah. You, you mentioned right. earlier You mentioned earlier that um, you guys have been, you know, uh, more than knee deep in it. And South Carolina, we're kind of just putting our toes in the water. Um, 
why do you say that? What 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 has happened on your end that mm-hmm. maybe us over here in this on the south? I don't want to say southeast because we're, we're the south. Us over here mm-hmm. in the south, from your perspective, what would you say we haven't witnessed? We may be ignorant to that that you have seen. Um, the seriousness of the virus. I think because South Carolina, of course, LA is a much larger county, much larger states, our numbers look bigger. Um, But South Carolina or any other state isn't, you aren't immune to this. Like, I feel like because the numbers aren't as high or because you're not seeing as many cases, um, people are more like, oh, well, it can't happen to me Oh, where I'm out anyways. It hasn't happened to me or I'm healthy and I'm strong. It's not going to affect me. But I mean, and people here in LA, they still have some of the same mindsets, but you also see people wearing their masks like they're supposed to. You see people, the social social distancing, like people actually get mad when you get too close to them. Um, and the six feet in the stores and very limited on how much things you can get versus in the South, it was a delay in implementing that stay at home order, but there was also like this mindset that we don't have that many cases anyways, or it's just a few cases here in Sumter or a few cases here in Georgia. So the equivalent isn't the same, but coronavirus, it, it has no specific person. I know they're throwing out the 65 and the comorbidities, but I've seen a plethora of people get this virus that don't fit those qualifications. Mm. Do you feel like it that mentality could have trickled down from like um, those in charge? Because I like our press conference in Georgia when they told us we were shutting down, it was almost like, "Huh, they telling us to close, mm-hmm. don't close." Mm-hmm. It wasn't like this is serious. Take your health serious. You know, it was almost mm-hmm. like uh, the CDC keep barking at us. So mm-hmm. stay at home, guys. Wear a mask, right. but don't wear a mask. Like you know, it wasn't concrete. It wasn't very. Um, this is serious, and they didn't talk about the health. It was mostly like such and such told us to close, so we're going to do it anyway. You know, it was that type of mentality. Right. We're not trying to get fined, so we'll just do what they say. Yeah, so how do you, like, (laughs) I'm just here. (laughs) Basically, how do you feel like the people in charge took, like, how did they handle it in California or within just L.A. as a whole? I think, uh, what it was the mayor of, I want to say San Francisco, one of these places, like she shut the city down completely yeah. immediately. San Francisco like, was one of the first, yeah. San Francisco, like no ifs, ands, buts, the NBA shut down immediately. It was like, you know what? No, we're not playing with it. But then the inconsistencies in information, at first it was like, don't wear a mask in public. Only the people that are sick need to wear a mask or... It was very inconsistent, so it was difficult for us to trust what the government and the CDC or anyone, that information they were they were giving us. Um, it wasn't concrete. Um, even with us, like, as hospital workers, we were always, in the beginning, very confused about, like, do we do this? Do we not do this? Is it airborne? Is it droplet? Do we need to bleach? Do we need to cavity wipe? You know, just trying to figure out what's the best way to deal with this disease. And... I think it's the newness. A lot of people don't know. There's not a lot of data on coronavirus and how to treat it and and what we need to do in order to cure it and not spread it and what the regulations would be in order to better suit, you know, the nation and not continue to get everyone sick. 
That's that mentality that we need to know now. Like, oh, yeah, I discovered it. Tell me everything I need to know. Like, understanding. Um, Right. I did want to ask, did you guys have like a toilet paper shortage there? Because I'm really trying to figure out where this, where the communication came from that it was about to be like, find a bunker and live in it for six months. Like, where did that idea come from? I don't know who passed that group text around and said that, you know, get your toilet paper now, but I missed it. I missed it. I, I went in for some regular toilet tissue and, and I, even as a healthcare worker, I was thinking, okay, hand sanitizers, whatever, cat, um, bleach wipes, whatever, but the toilet tissue, I didn't get the memo. So that was nationwide. I, I was I was really thinking yeah. it had something to do with the South and how they handled it, like oh, mm-hmm. but because no. there's nothing about Corona, there's nothing that's been told. Like there's no reason for that to have happened. <laughs> no. Reason for you to be using the, the restroom more than you were previously. Like the idea right. was that we were gonna go into like bunkers and hurricane type of you know like sit sitting mm-hmm. at home, and I think that was the big misconception that you're not sitting at home to not get the virus. It's like you're sitting at home for a punishment or something. So make sure you have something to entertain you. Right. So let's buy all the toilets in bulk. I mean, like ceiling high toilet paper. I remember I was getting some paper towels and uh, one of the guys in Target was like, we must be doing okay now. We have toilet tissue. I'm like, take paper towels. I'm like, is that how we're gauging our success at this point? Like, we got paper towels. We are right. <laughs> but you mentioned, yeah, I don't know where that memo came from. You mentioned earlier that you had a, a, a dream of living in LA for a specific reason. Um, I myself, I actually wore this Savannah State hoodie for a reason um, mm. because when I was in grad school, I actually attended Savannah College of Art and Design, but I hung out and lived with, you know, Savannah State students. Um, as far as a friend I knew from home, he was at Savannah State, so I, I got a lot of experience there. But either way, during my time in Savannah, once I graduated from Savannah College of Art and Design, I, a friend of mine got a job in Los Angeles, and we drove from Savannah to Long Beach. Really? We did, yeah. It was fun. It was amazing. We stopped in. I can't remember my memory's bad. Come on, Rebecca. We we stopped in like Mississippi. We stopped above. I think we skipped Texas. We were scared to drive through Texas. That was my first <laughs> to the Grand Canyon. We stopped in mm-hmm. Vegas, and then we went to Long Beach. Um, it was four of us in a car with his bags, and he had stuff shipped over. And so we just rotated. It kind of never slept, so it wasn't like you had to get a room and sleep and then keep driving. You sleep in the car. But either way. Um, that was my first time being in Los Angeles. And so going around seeing the melting pot of culture, the melting yeah. pot of, of, I can say like acceptance mm-hmm. or understanding or the, the, the lack of judgment around certain corners, not saying it's, it's not there at all, but mm-hmm. in you mentioning that idea of freedom or, or, or being free in LA, how do you think yeah. that defers on the impact of COVID-19 where you are compared to where we are in the South where um, it's a little less um, blue state? You know, that's a hard, it's been a good, hard question. Um, 
I should have prepped you. I'm sorry. Yeah, that <laughs> one came. Yeah, the main, the main, because you you've mentioned a lot. You've mentioned as far as coming out the gate. Um, you're yeah. talking about Francisco Mayor. You're talking about you got you sitting to everyone sitting down. Uh, city shutting down in California. City shutting mm-hmm. in California as soon as everything stops. But then when you look at the South, it's a delay. It's a it's a reflex to where okay, this idea of um, of I could be wrong, I could be harmed, I could be affected, I can be killed. It, it didn't affect an amount of people in the South as compared to where you are. I feel like you know, think about your answer because you're experiencing it. But I feel like it's a it's really a reflection of what people prioritize. You know. Um, mm-hmm. even the idea, like even when I'm in California, my idea of people is they care about wellness. They care about earth. They care about, mm-hmm. you know, these are things that they actually care about, you know, even what they're putting in their body when things are healthy. So yeah. something alarming, like your air might be contaminated. That could easily be like, you know what? I'm gonna sit at home. You know, like I think mm-hmm. with that idea of what they care about, I don't know, but it's just. Yeah. Not that people don't care about their health down here, but it's a little different. No, I I think that's a, a good point. And also, do you trust the person making the call? Mm. Like, in the South, I don't know if we really trust the people that are making the calls and telling us <laughs> to do these things. I mean, not to say California is any different and everyone thinks their government and leadership are always making the perfect decision, but I think they trust their judgment and they took it seriously. And now that they're seeing the effects of that and seeing that, yeah, California, we are flattening the curve as everyone says, and we are getting better and we are making strides and we do have the things we need. It it makes you trust the judgment. Do you trust the people that are in office and, and do you believe they have your best interest at heart? And like you said, it does it does have a lot to do with what do you value? Yeah. We value our independence in the South, especially in a place where you don't get much independence and you have to hold on to, you know, the liberty that you do have. Every little bit. Is hearing, yeah, every <laughs> Listen, little bit. You can't tell you go out to eat. Oh, I'm going to go out to eat. Like, <laughs> right, I'm going. Like, I'm not going to let this X, Y, and Z, like, stop me from going out. You know, coronavirus, who? But... Here, like you said, it's different. People value going out and eating, and we value going to brunches. I love brunches. And we value being able to go to the beach, like Ocean, um, Orange County, and Huntington Beach. They had to shut those beaches back down because people flocked to those beaches when they reopened. But people value being outside. They value nature. Like you said, they do value their health and and those are priorities for them. And so if it means they're going to risk going outside and getting coronavirus, I don't think they're really here for it. Absolutely. Well, we, we definitely want to, <clears throat> I mean, we definitely uh, on the way out of here, I got we got a couple more questions for you, but first I definitely yeah. want to know what's a, what's the most impactful story um, from your career field What's the most impactful story given COVID-19 uh, that you've experienced that you can give us? Um, we haven't seen anybody with it. We haven't seen anybody with the x-ray of a lung that's all white. I think that's how it looks. 
So what's mm-hmm. the one you've experienced that you maybe you might need a white coat? Yeah. <laughs> if it may be something you're numb to, but what's something that you've experienced that that you thought, okay, this is real? Someone my age taking care of somebody my age. Yeah. That that was real. Like people, and I think a lot of people our age are like, oh, I can beat this. Uh, it's only, you know, if you're 65 with diabetes, hypertension, um, cholesterol, then yeah, you should probably stay in. COPD, asthma, you should probably stay inside. But I have a good, healthy mom. You're, you're more likely to get it with other comorbidities, but I've seen people that are young. People in their 40s get it. People that didn't have any other comorbidities. People, the reason why they came in, I had one patient who had never been in the hospital in his entire life other to be birthed and was like, I'm feeling a little short of breath. This is not normal and came into the hospital and had coronavirus, you know, and it's a it's a culture shock to be in the hospital when you haven't had any other issues. So and you can't breathe like. The way coronavirus kind of works, if I can use that word on patients, is it it kind of like latches on to the lungs and it it doesn't allow them to expand. So you're like breathing against nothing. You have this awful resistance and you aren't able to like pass oxygen through. And that's why you're having such issues with breathing and having the shortness of breath. And I couldn't imagine what that feels like. So to see someone my age almost die from this, it's it's real. Just like uh, Cardi B said. Coronavirus. Okay, it is real. It is very real. So for, for, the, for the final question, I definitely want to ask, if you had to tell someone who is asking, is outside open yet, uh, what, would, what would your answer be to them? Tread lightly. Tread lightly and and don't get complacent. Wear your mask like you're supposed to. Wash your hands like you're supposed to. When they're saying like wipe things down all the time, please continue to do that. Like we're opening up, but a lot of healthcare providers are expecting a surge. Um, we're thinking it's going to go up. We're going to spike and then eventually level out. So don't get complacent and, and tread lightly when you're going out. Don't Especially get when you're going to like, yeah, please don't get comfortable. Definitely. And last but not least, I got one more. I just made up another one. Yeah, go ahead. I'm cool with it. On a scale of negative 10 to positive 10, with negative 10 being it's a hoax, 10 being coronavirus, it is real. What would you rate coronavirus? Positive 10 being like, it's real, real? Oh, yeah. it's real. No, it's real, real. Like, <laughs> it's real, real. It, it is, there's nothing more real than walking into a unit and you have to wear this N95 mask the whole shift, like 12 hours, and you cannot breathe for those 12 hours. There's nothing more real than dawning on a mask and a head cover and a gown and shoe covers and face shields and and praying that you don't have to intubate a patient because you don't want coronavirus to be spreading all over the room. Like it's real when you see your coworkers are now your patients. It's real 
when you're seeing people that didn't have other comorbidities and now they're fighting for their lives. It's real when you're trying to experiment with flipping patients on their stomachs because research is showing that if patients are on their bellies, they tend to do so much better with breathing than they do on their backs, which is something we usually don't do. It's, it's real. It's real. Yeah. I think, I think we can leave on that note. Uh, we appreciate your time, your input, your wisdom, and your knowledge. We also appreciate your passion. Make sure you follow the hashtag Free Foundation on the ground, uh, no matter where you are, whether it be from Merck City to um, Long Beach. Make sure you follow. <laughs> them. Um, we thank you for checking in with a baby. So thank you, yeah. guys. We definitely recognize that you're on the clock. So um, I know. Yeah, we thank you for taking time out for us and to, again to educate other people. Yes, yeah, thank absolutely. So thank you for having me. This was awesome. Of course. Much love. We'll talk to you later. We'll definitely be in touch. And thank you for all. Yeah. Your all right. See you guys. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Absolutely. She told y'all. Long Beach, baby, from Long Beach to South Carolina. Somebody, somebody. Somewhere thinking like, you know, that's that's Long Beach. It don't matter. You know, I think I really like the don't be complacent mm -hmm. because I was telling Kaylin, like, we can sit in the house for three, four days at a time, order food, get some groceries, da da da, -da and get and lose sight how bad it is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You can. You, and then you go somewhere and if the people around you, like, obviously we put our mask on, blah, blah, blah. We get groceries, wipe them down. But I was telling them, I was like, honestly, outside is about to open real soon. And the people who don't join in, mm -hmm. you guys are, we're going to look like, you remember the show Monk? Yeah. That's what we're going to look like for not participating. We're going to look like the OCD. We're going to look like the extremists mm -hmm. because so many people have gotten complacent. Like, bro, I've been sitting at home for eight weeks. Ain't nothing happened. Ain't nobody close to me got it. Yeah. You know, like just, mm -hmm. I think that goes back to that American mentality of something has to happen to people personally to you for you to take it serious and just don't be complacent like she said it don't matter if nobody in your circle of 3,000 or 50,000 followers not nan one of them died you still need to do the same things that you were you know yeah caution caution is something valuable that we all can display and 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 input into our lives you know but that just that just shows wisdom that shows knowledge yeah, that shows that you believe in something and that shows that you stand on something because life isn't about just winging it. You know, that's that can be a positive in certain facets, as you're talking about, especially for Western culture. Just go out, wing it, kill it, be ruthless, you know, um, survival of the fittest. But at the same time, you must practice caution. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad she said that. And I'm glad, you know, I hope people are listening because don't get complacent. Like if we got to do this for another three years, don't let up. Keep wiping, keep sanitizing, keep wearing your mask. So I'm hoping we don't have to do it for another three years. But if we do, I know um, as far as someone I know personally, I got my first mask from somebody, you know, who makes sure I wear it, make sure I know how to wear it, make sure I, I um, should know the details of why it's important to wear it. So right now we want to bring on our next guest um, from Columbia, South Carolina. So we want to bring it back to the East Coast so we can have some direct some direct action and feelings from what's going on over here. I'm going to bring to the to the floor Mr. James Bostick. How y'all doing? 
We're good. We're good. Thank you for, you know, battling this virus after having that conversation. And she ended it on such a passionate note. Like, yeah, shout out to Toya, man. Uh, happy Nurses Week to her if she's still listening. But, uh, yeah, she, she dropped some gems. <laughs> I mean, the things y'all go through and the things y'all battle, like. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. How y'all doing? How y'all feeling? I'm good now. Staying yeah. healthy? Washing my hands? You know, <laughs> I'm holding strong. You got to know that this part right here, I know my lighting get bad after like 8.30, but. The part right here that bends is the part that goes on your nose, people. Yes, yes. I do, I do want you to tell us. Is there... I have questions for you, okay? Right. Nursing, okay. non-nursing. Um, blue, white side. Let's talk about it. Is there is uh, there a thing? Like, what is it? So, um, every company is different. Um, this mask right here is... This is the white side. Um, and it has the bend right here. Uh-huh. And what we want to do is have the white side out and put the blue in just like so pull it down under the chin right there so you cover it fully but you want to you know shape it to your nose the bridge of your nose so that you can wear it properly and it can be effective so the ones that are blue and white the white is on the outside well it's different ones uh, i don't want to uh, put that out there it's a lot of people there's a lot of uh, different companies that have uh the yellow Inside, I think the one that Brian has, uh, some of them that have the white inside, so it's just different. But finding the bend and the bridge of the nose and just putting it on around the ears and wearing it and pulling it down and wearing it properly, that's going to be the main So the bridge of the nose will let you know which side it needs to be on. Yes. So hold up, the one you sent me. The bridge both sides. The white is the outside or the yellow is the inside? The one you sent me. The yellow is the outside for yours. Uh, <laughs> yellow is the outside for yours. <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> Yeah, you wearing it right, bro. <laughs> okay. Ooh, we're glad to have you. Yeah, I'm glad to be a part. I appreciate yeah, it. Out the gate, tell us, tell us about yourself, what you're passionate about, what you do. Um, fill the people in. Um, hello, everyone. My name is James Bostic. Um, I'm originally from the Low Country, a little small town called Elster, South Carolina, uh, kind of like by Buford and Savannah. Um, I've been a nurse for six years. Um, let's see. I am passionate about helping people, but most importantly, our people, um, because we're not informed. And that's one of the main reasons why I got into nursing, because we need that education. But that's what I'm passionate about, making sure our people advance and have a level playing field so that we can live healthier, productive lives. Amen. Absolutely. As far as health, even the idea of health services, um, coming from where you're from, I want to say I'm from a small town, but... Um, Estel, you know, shines in small town as compared to Lawrence. <laughs> a lot of times people don't hype up the small town is, but it teaches us a lot because as we grow, we experience a lot and and we learn that, you know, where we came from is just as perfect as those places who have knowledge and, and, and experiences and access to things that we never knew existed our first 15, 20 years of our life. Yeah. And so, as far as your experience in Estel, now that you're in a health field, you know, what's the main difference between like a young James who was out there eating dirt probably and, and now, like, how, how do you feel? What, what would you say to the people who, you know, may not know how important being healthy is? Uh, whew, um, that's a loaded question <laughs> because uh, one of the main differences from being in Estel, small town and coming up to 
Columbia, which a lot of people wouldn't say is a big town, but for me, it was a big town is uh, just the diversity. Um, because honestly, I came from an all black school, all black everything. Um, so I grew up, everyone kind of in the health, everyone knew a person who, or had a, a family member who had hypertension, who had a leg uh, amputated or, um, or digits amputated because of diabetes. So um, going to Columbia, you saw the diversity and, and how people treat, treat their health, their uh, perceptions on health, how they view health as a whole. Because a lot of people down there, where I'm from, survival is first, health is second. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, these people don't, we have to go 20 miles to the next uh, town, Hampton, South Carolina, to just get health care. So a lot of these people are living check to check. They don't come from strong economic background, socioeconomic background. It's survival first, mainly. You know what? That's what I was going to say. I feel like a lot in the black community, and I say black across the diaspora, black across nations, because me and my family are not good doctor goers. Like, I'm really bad with going to the doctor. But it's really an idea of going to the doctor for regular checkups is a privilege versus a human right. So having that idea, like black people and people in social economic places, like, you know, struggling, see it as a privilege. Mm-hmm. It needs to be understood, whether it needs to be from lawmakers to health specialists to just like, you know, everyday mom and dad, like, it's a human right to get checked up. It's mm-hmm. not a privilege. It's not a, all right, we got to use our last few dollars for this copay because you're mm-hmm. really, really sick. Like, if ginger ale ain't work, I guess we'll go to the doctor. You know, mm-hmm. the idea that it's, a human right, like just like you have the right to go to school, you have the right to go to a doctor. That's so true. Um, I just think, you know, it goes back to, and I hate to make it or even say this, but it, it's true. It goes back to slavery times. Like the understanding between black people and healthcare professionals isn't a good one. And we can take this back all the way to the Tuskegee syphilis experiment and how those black men were treated and how they were lied to. Um, and again, that, that's one of the reasons why I got into the healthcare. Because I want to it be goes back to that trust. Right. I want to be somebody that they can actually trust and come to and be like, you know what, I do need to go and get my uh, checkups because, you know, I see too many times that sitting in the ER, sitting in triage and triaging a patient and they say, you know, the only reason they came is because they cut their finger, but they come in as soon as I get a blood pressure, it's 220 over 80, you know, and they have no idea. You know, this is the first time they've come into the hospital. Um, they just come in to get treated, wrap their hand up so they can go back to work. You know, so the, the it's different mindsets, especially when it comes to, you know, the way we perceive health as black people across the diaspora, as you were saying, um, as opposed to. It's definitely culture. like it's a privilege. It hasn't it hasn't been embedded in us that it's a um, it's a human right. So my sister had premature babies and we'd be like, damn, they got so many daughters. They just checking on them to check on them. Like we're not used to that. You know what I'm saying? So, and then we talked about it, like if they were not premature and if it wasn't mandatory by the law to make sure that, you know, they still had these doctors, them girls probably would have just had their regular, you know, we wouldn't have known that that's, that's what you're supposed to do. You know, like it's, it's, it's just what you're supposed to do. Um, I did have like questions about that with COVID and all this that's going on. How has it affected non-COVID patients? Um, Mm -hmm. Like if you've worked with them, I personally had a a girl, I guess we went to her sis, 
her mom was the principal. She's Menard's little friend. And she was um, diagnosed with leukemia. And then on her birthday, she had to start chemo, Amber Fields. And like, she has to do it by herself because her parents can't go to the hospital. Like she's literally in the hospital room by herself. There's FaceTime, you know, her entire treatment. So like how has COVID affected non-COVID patients? Oh, it's a lot of fear. Um, I had a patient just yesterday. Uh, we were going to rule him out for uh, COVID. And uh, he was actually already in the hospital. He had his gallbladder removed. Mm-hmm. And he started developing some shortness of breath, things like that. And before we transfer him to the COVID floor, um, he said, and it, it ended up coming out back negative, but he said, you know, I'm, I really don't want to go to the COVID floor. Like, why well, I got to go with those people? Yeah. You know, it's almost like alienating other people uh, who do have COVID, um, who don't have COVID, just people just alienating each other because they're scared. There's a lot of fear between the people who don't have it, the people who may have it, the people who actually do have it. They're scared. They're, they're hoping that they can go home because a lot of people, as you said, um, that's so true. Um, we have all the hospitals locked down, so it's only the patient can come in, no family members. And, it's, and then, it's really like, it solidifies Black people's fear about hospitals. Like, my dad's fear is, no, if I go in, I'm going to come out with something else. Right. Or they're going to find something else with me. So now that we have this pandemic that's literally, sadly, it's happening. You're going in for one thing. So how is that going to affect us as a people? Like, this is something you're passionate about and working towards. How is that going to affect us as people post-corona? Like, how can we undo what corona just confirmed for them? Don't go in the hospital because you're going to leave with something. It's definitely going to, I would say it's definitely going to extend that fear that we already have. It's definitely going to make it much difficult for our people to trust of healthcare professionals, uh, to, to trust the advice of nurses, doctors, just people in general. Um, I think we need to try to help bridge that gap because a lot of people, just what you made a great point, it's, I can count on my hands, your hands, everybody's hands, how many times our people, young, old, in between, come in and say, man, I'm coming in here, you know, I don't come in the hospital, I, you know, I hope I don't come out, I mean, I hope I don't um, have to, you know, stay here, and yeah. things like that, and yeah. it's it's definitely crazy. It's very, it's crazy times because you never know. Like, but we have to educate the people. That's what I'm here to do. That's what I strive to do every day. Help educate our people that yes, you do need to get your checkups. Yes, you do need to um, go get your physicals. Yes, you do need to get your prostate checked, guys. You know what I mean? We have to get these things to ensure that our health, that we are healthier people, and we can live healthier, productive lives. A healthy individual is a more productive in- individual, and you know. We do so much as black people that we forget sometimes about our mental health, our physical health, and our just overall general health and well-being that we're no good to nobody. Like, we all have Big Mama who takes care of everybody, but if Big Mama not taking care of herself, she's not going to be no good to nobody. Right? I mean, we really need to uh, hunker down, and, and it's going to be hard. I mean, it's definitely going to be hard to retrain. past trauma, past history of doctors not caring for us, our, our women not being cared for um, while they're having babies and doctors not listening to them when they're um, in pain or they're bleeding or stating that something is wrong. There's so many examples I can give, but we, people like me, black doctors, black nurses, black nurse practitioners, PAs, we all have to come together to help educate our community and also help educate just the masses. The millennials do a good job of that, us millennials, 
but we we definitely need to just like hunker down and make sure everyone is educated on the task at hand because this is real. It's definitely real. Listen, I told you I am terrible. I ooh, and I think mine. You know, we're gonna dive into this at a later episode. Is my unconscious traumas because my experience comes from being in the Middle East, being in Africa, like doctors ain't that. I don't have that slavery portion in me for not trusting doctors, but I do have that. We were refugees, like, you know, like real poor. So doc, being going to the doctor is a privilege. So I don't know how to, it's, it's something we got to tap into. It's some trauma. Cause I just really don't do doctors. I definitely understand that. Um, but you know, my, me coming from it, if I was to advise you, I would want to make sure that you're healthy so that you can, live a more healthy and productive life so that you can help contribute to um, a daddy, to contribute to the masses of people who listen to you and look up to you. You know, I would want to make sure as a healthcare professional that you are good, that Brian is good so that he can continue the mission. That is a daddy, that both of y'all can continue um, to be there for the masses of people who continually look up to you guys every day. So we got to get you right. Got to make sure that you, you know, taking care of yourself. Okay. <laughs> that, that's a, that's a, a very unique um, a passion, and, and it definitely it ties and aligns exactly what a baby stands for. When we talk about compassion, we talk about finding something that we care about that fuels us, that also helps others. And I appreciate you for that. Uh, knowing you personally, um, you've continued to educate me um, even before now to where I didn't see it as, okay, he's trying to educate me. It was just a natural thing. And I think us being able to push that aspect to personal relationships or even informal relationships where we're able to create content, where we're able to have conversations, we're able to experience things where we're educating each other in order to help each other. Uh, that's that's very important. I and feel so- like y'all could be the face of accountability, and especially like I know I, I'm telling you I don't go to the doctor, but I feel like black women go to the doctor more than black men. We have reasons like what even if it's like gynecologist, even if it's like, oh, you got pregnant. Black men don't go to the doctor after sports. Out of here. Like. That's it. So I really feel like y'all holding each other accountable and being like, I go to the doctor even when I'm feeling great. Like, you know, I think that's definitely huge for people looking up to you. Yeah, my dad was a great example of that. I'm not going to no doctor. You know, that was always his mindset. Well, I got to go to the doctor for I don't need to go to the doctor, but you know, once he had a, a scare uh, with his health, um, he wired up and I told him straight. Uh, I remember that day I told him straight in the doctor's office, like, look, man, you got a family, you got grandkids, like, you got to be around. Like, you got to think about these things. I've, I've even had patients who said, I had this one guy who said, you know what, my girl be straight here, four daughters. And he was like, I don't care about going to the doctor, man. If I die, I die. You know, a brother. And, you know, some people's mindset is different. I mean, it's, it's all about retooling and retraining. But, yes, you're definitely right. Like, our men, our black men, we need to hold each other accountable because we are dying at alarming rates yeah. of hypertension from COPD, from colorectal cancer, which is the number one um, cancer that is killing our black men. Uh, we have to band together and listen and actually take the information in if we want to survive, if we want to live healthy productive lives. I keep going back to that, but that's what it's about. I feel like it's also multi-layered. Like I talked about black men and it's also layered in the fact that what you said, um, again, my dad, my dad and my brother be like, it's my time to go. It's my time to go. So like understanding you're not playing, you're not extending the date God got for you. Like you're not doing that. Like that's, that's not what you're doing. 
So I think that's a big myth or, you know, idea. Like, right, he would speed in the house and be like, bro, if it's time for me to go, it's time for me to go. Like, yeah, it, is, it might be. Like, but that's, they can coexist. You can have faith and you can still go to the doctor. Like, yeah. they, they can work together. Yeah, when, when it comes to the idea of um, us all being from the South, um, God giving us a uh, a choice, mm-hmm. um, whether it be just that idea in general. We we spread it across a lot of facets of our lives, especially with the story that you just told. Like, if I'm a speed, then if I die, I'm going to die. We spoke on caution earlier. Uh, from your viewpoint and talking about COVID-19, how can we in the South be more cautious, you know, to what's going to happen? Like from your, from your, cause I feel like in South Carolina, a lot of people are, are disregarding its existence. So how, what do you feel from, from where you are? How, how do you know it's, it's there? And, and those people who don't know it's there, like, what can you tell them to let them know, you know, this ain't something that you just got to be like, Oh, either God going to give it to me or not. Like it's real. First and foremost, that what you just said, it is actually real. Like I work in the ER on the exact front line and I also float to the actual COVID unit. And I've had patients who, I had a patient who was 68 or 70, um, a guy who walks every day, um, still goes to the gym. He goes swimming, things like that, very active. He was talking. I came in that Wednesday. He was talking, he was fine. That Wednesday night, he started out to show us a breath. We sent him to the um, we sent him to the ICU that Thursday morning. He had an event, and right when I got back um, in that um, midshift, I worked a midshift like eleven to seven, something like that. He was dead, you know. So the first thing I would say is COVID is real. Like there's no if ands or buts about it. Um, here in particular in South Carolina, we, I I don't know about our people. We have we white people, black people, just people in general, like we are, some of us are ignorant of facts. We don't want to pay attention to the statistics. We were, we were saying things, and I think you alluded to this earlier, um, Ayaka Toya, that we are looking at the numbers and saying, oh, well, our numbers don't look as bad as California. Well, California is 10 times bigger than South Carolina. Regardless of the numbers and the size of the numbers, we have to pay attention to those numbers. People are dying at alarming rates. We had a guy that came in for to show you how serious it is, we had a guy that came in, he had separated his shoulder, and we did an x-ray, and the x-ray caught about this much of his, his lung, full-blown COVID. Man. Yeah, it's full-blown COVID. So here in South Carolina, in particular, we are ignoring, unfortunately, we are ignoring a lot of the things that's going on. Um, our governor has pretty much opened up the state, mm-hmm. and, uh, and he is... I don't know. What, I don't know what he's thinking with, with doing that. Who am I to judge? But me personally, I don't think it's a good time. I think we're doing it a little too prematurely. Uh, we actually, South Carolina, actually rated an F on our social distancing report card um, for the state, and out of all fifty states, and my county, Hampton County, actually rated an F. So you know, that just goes to show you how people are taking this. Um, people definitely are not taking it serious. I mean. Even if you do the little things, like put on a simple mask, um, a bandana, you know, just any type of covering to protect yourself and washing your hands and at least just staying six feet apart. I mean, that's going to do a whole lot of difference. But right now in South Carolina, in particular in Richmond County, we got 97 new cases just yesterday. Whereas, again, 
name, somebody in another county may say, oh, that's not as many. One death is too many. So yeah. one person being affected with COVID is too many already. I, yeah, and, and I agree. And I, feel like, I feel like the death toll, the news has watered it down. Like we've surpassed mm-hmm. the Vietnam War. We've surpassed 9-11, like death wise. So yes, those were terror attacks in war, but a dead body is a dead body. Right, right. In so they had um, all kind of stuff going on in New York where uh, people were getting carried out. Their bodies were getting carried out in trucks. You know, so for somebody to say or to think that this is not real, because like you said earlier, uh, I believe you said this earlier, right, uh, that, you know, people don't have to think that it's, it's not real. But, I mean, it's, it's real. It's real. It's crazy right now. We have to be vigilant. We have to be vigilant as a race. And definitely... Like you guys talked about, even post-corona, I'm going to go to the doctor, promise. But <laughs> it's like, if you don't know your body, you're not going to be able to tell those early signs. Like someone who's in tune with their health, they're going to be like, okay, my my breathing a little off, you know, versus someone who doesn't go to the doctor, doesn't know their body. They're going to be like, oh, okay, it's chest pain. Oh, it's anxiety. Oh, it's this. By the time you do go. And I know like the African-American death is so much higher. So, I mean, I, I can only, as non-expert, I can only tie it to the fact that we wait till it's too late because we don't know our bodies. We do, we do. And unfortunately, we are affected with comorbidities such as hypertension, diabetes, asthma, COPD, which puts us at a, a higher rate, coupled with the fact that our socioeconomic status isn't as great as other races, and we aren't uh, valued or given the same resources as other people as well. We don't, again, my county in particular, survival is always looked at first, and health is looked at as a mere second. You know, it's, it's always an inaction. We just have to have been a better job with everything because it's scary. Yeah. It's really weird. People are dying, all ages, all sizes. It doesn't matter. People are dying out here. It's layered. It's definitely layered because there's the political, there's the economic, there's the, um, mm-hmm. you know, some of us are essential workers. So even if I avoid friends, I still got to go. So just taking care of yourself. All that stuff. I think given given the politics, given where we are now, especially in the South, whether it be Georgia or South Carolina, um, your heart is in South Carolina, yeah. Uh, James, a question I have for you is now that basically outside is open, um, everything people are people are doing what they what they usually do outside of restaurants being open, outside of certain stores being open. Everything is basically regular. So what can you educate us on as far as the possibility of a second wave? Um, well, definitely, if we do not protect ourselves, if we do not practice social distancing, if we do not um, wear our masks, there will be an increasing wave. Uh, I know I got in um, Georgia, I had over 1,100 cases just yeah. this week alone, you know, and um, the great Mayor Bottom, she is pleading with people to stay home. Um, I think with that being said, what we can do, some of the things that we can do is, again, wear the mask, but just take precaution. Be smart, be vigilant. Things are opening up at a rapid rate. Uh, we can't help that. People do want to go outside. People are itching to get out, outside. But just be vigilant. Protect yourselves. Uh, stop wearing gloves out in public. I mean, just, I mean, stop putting Purell and hand sanitizer on your gloves. The people who are doing that, you're cross-contaminating everything. You, you touch the steering wheel, you stepped out, touch the door, you shut the door, you 
got the card at Target, you know, stop wearing these kitchen serving gloves, our people just stop it. Like stop doing those things. But I do understand that people are misinformed and people are unaware of what to do. Yeah. So you as a healthcare professional, um, I would I am strongly suggesting that people do wear masks. Do wear your simple mask and stop wearing these gloves. Those are the two main things that I can tell you. And please, please wash your hands. People think, oh, okay, done. You know, washing your hands for a minimum of 15 to 20 seconds um, is, according to the CDC, that's best practice. Uh, with warm water, not cold water. Um, your hands visibly soil, wash your hands. You know, little things like that. If nothing comes out of this um, coronavirus scare and things that's going on, is that people definitely going to be watching their hygiene and washing their hands and being vigilant on taking care of themselves. Yeah. But um, we need to crack down on those little things if we want to avoid another curve. Uh, we're definitely, if we keep opening up things and people keep walking outside with no mask on and doing their own thing, I understand that everybody want to get outside and everything, we are definitely going to see another wave. I mean, I would not be surprised, um, and I love Atlanta, but I wouldn't be surprised if the new wave spikes like in the next week with everything that's going on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And most I've of the cases are in Atlanta, so. Yeah, I've seen the pictures of, of Atlanta, New York, Washington, D.C. It's insane how many people are out, like, this close to each other, you know, don't care, not being vigilant, not doing the right things. And it's, unfortunately, it's going to hurt a lot of people. You know, our personal choices are going to impact and affect a lot of people. These beaches and parks are definitely uh, going crazy right now. So um, our last question would be, you know, what advice do you have for individuals who are asking the question, is outside open yet? But you've given a plethora, or shall I say, a bevy of answers uh, to that throughout the interview. So I definitely want to ask you, coming from a passionate standpoint, um, given what you do from a day to day, um, what you look yourself in the mirror and say, this is what I love and this is you know, one I want to get better at. Tell the people now, what, what's something we can we can look to you for in the future or, or, or tease to a hint to it, not trying to put you on the spot. I don't want you to, to pre-announce but I believe, you know, we all have uh, dreams and visions that we can execute on. So um, outside of when you, you spoke on educating via health, you spoke on other things that you care about. What's, what, what are some, what's something you're passionate about we can look out for? Uh, I know we had this conversation, Brian, on a couple of things, and we brainstormed some ideas with some things, but not to give it out too much. Um, definitely educating the community. That's the, the main thing that I want to do, um, going to the small communities like Lawrence County, uh, like Hampton County, and educating our people, holding uh, nutritional counseling and educational services, tents, so that people can get the information um, about diabetes, doing healthcare screening, such as uh, blood pressure and um, blood glucose blood glucose mm -hmm. level uh, um, for diabetes. That's something that we're going to start doing uh, with what me and my wife uh, are going to start uh, doing in the very near future. Also doing some public speaking engagement um, to pre-nursing and current nursing um, students and educating them on uh, my journey, on educating them on what to look out for, things like that. Uh, I think that's really important educate me more on travel nursing because I'm a travel nurse as well, mm -hmm. strike nurse and things like that, the different aspects and avenues that you can take as a nurse. And we also planted some big things with um, a, with, with, we also planted some things, my wife told me not to say too much. <laughs> but, uh, 
we're, uh, we're definitely planning some things uh, that's definitely going to help and educate the community, educate our millennials as well, because we're not immune to anything. Just because we out here living young and free, we out here going to kickbacks and mm-hmm. we out here dancing and you know listening to DJ Tonto and your music. I mean, we're not immune to the things that can happen to us. I mean, we can wake up in, in the morning and things cannot be so right. Like you said, I got we can wake up and say, yeah, I don't feel right. I was breathing. I know me. My, my chest hurts. You know, that can happen to anybody. The youngest patient I got that had a heart attack at 22. You know, so it's, it's, we definitely got some things in the works. Um, to be on the lookout for that. But it's mainly education, educating our people, because I'm passionate about helping our people. All people, because I see white people, the Asian people every day, but prevalently, in, in, I want to make a present be known and felt in the black community because we're never looked at. Because we need we, it. Yes, we need those resources. Man. That's, that's, we got some big things coming. Up. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't want you to announce anything, I, but what we stand on via Baby is the, the fact that no matter where we are in life, we have the ability to continue uh, to evoke a change into this world. We have the ability to create, not just as a painter, not just as a, a musician, not just as a poet, but we have the ability to take something that we're passionate about and create to then go and help others. So I appreciate that you have that mindset. Your household has that mindset and that that'll be rolled out soon, especially for, again, what we stand for, the minority, um, whether it be us as, as black, as black people or it be, you know, just in general, people who are lacking. So education, educating those people, you know, man, I'm proud of you, man. I appreciate you. I, I appreciate you. you. Always, I, I appreciate y'all. Make sure y'all stay safe, wear those masks, and we're gonna try to get you, you know, to the doctor at least. I'm going yeah. in May. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going in May. It's May. Right. Um, oh yeah, this I gotta call and get appointments. Gotta. Okay. Yeah, as soon as everything, you know, let everybody be first, go out, and then, you know, take your time. I mean, I just want everybody to be vigilant. If I can just say one more thing, I just want everybody to be vigilant out there and take care of yourselves. If you're gonna go out, you know, just stay safe. Please stay safe because this is a serious virus. It's smart. It does not present with the same symptoms. We get new symptoms every day in the ER. Mm. It's, it's very smart virus. It's adaptable and, you know, it's killing people and it's killing our people. And we are at the top of the food chain because of the core morbidity that we have because of the lack of information, not lack of ignorance, but the lack of education. I'm sorry, my dog just screamed, but, <laughs> but please be vigilant and be safe out there. Thank you so much. I feel Good like job. I'm about to be outside like this when I walk <laughs> in the door, like go to Target in the middle of the night because I don't need you outside with me. But I gotta send you some masks. I got, I got, I got definitely send you some masks. Please. <laughs> Once again, thank you for checking in to a baby radio. Um, is outside open yet? Uh, be vigilant. You know, I got, I got all kind of quotes from you. You know, be, oh, yeah. be healthy. And, and, and then you'll have the own answer of that. So we appreciate you, my brother. Thank you. Stay safe. Love y'all. Keep doing the great work. Keep spreading the word. Love what y'all do. Absolutely. Thank you. We'll talk later, bro. All right, bro. Man. Ha. 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 Don't get comfortable. I did. I did. I did take from it and I don't know if they meant this or not but it's not to limit your life it's to be careful with how you do life 
Yeah, I, I definitely as um I became a Mason after my grandfather died in 2019, Prince Hall Masonry. And one thing that we learned, which is not like a, you know, against any books or anything, is, is like as far as caution. Um, if it is against any books, you know, somebody call me. But as far as caution, it's just an idea of, you know, being sure of the decisions you're making. Yeah. Being, being sure of the pros and cons, being sure of the negatives and the positives as far as where you're, what you're about to step into. So um, that's, that's definitely what I took because a lot of us are prideful. A lot of us are, we feel invincible, you know, and that's whether you're from a lower class or a higher class, it, it comes with all of it. So you just want to, you know, make sure you can get to a point where you're satisfied and can't nobody tell you different. It's but, definitely, I definitely got that from them. Like be cautious, be, you know, um, stay alert. Don't let your guard down. Mm -hmm. um, this isn't meant to keep you in captivity, but do things with understanding. And even when um, James talked about, wearing gloves and putting hand sanitizer on them. I feel like that's the, me and you talk about this a lot. Yeah. The why people do things, but they don't ever ask why, like, does it make sense? So I really feel like being, you know, taking that time and digging in deep. That's the best way we can keep ourselves safe. Absolutely. Cause I came into this thing. Like, I don't want to tell everybody, but I came into this thing. Like, I'm not trying to go back outside. Like I'm cool with being, I'm cool with being inside. But at the same time, I recognize the, the power of, you know, um, social interaction. I, I realized the value in then the need in us being able to interact with each other. You know, that's, yeah. that's the, the, the key part of life. And I'm looking even at Instagram lives now and it can be two of the most popular people ever and nobody's watching. So that, that digital touch, you know, falls back in, in, in comparison to what it means to like be live and affect with somebody. Yeah, and like just like last thing I gotta say is sitting at the park is not gonna get you coronavirus. <clears throat> sitting at the park that's crowded with no mask on, you know, like understanding that concept. Like it's not the park that's outlawed. It's not the beach that's outlawed. It's the fact that y'all don't know how to practice social distancing and do it safely. Exactly. So understanding that, like if you find a park and nobody in it, you can do that. You shouldn't feel guilty. Mm -hmm. if your mask is on, you know, and keeping it that way. But I think that's the biggest thing people need to understand, the why behind it. Yeah. Take what we what was stated from uh, both Toy Williams and, and James Bostic and add on to that just the idea of being compassionate. Understand yeah. that the world just isn't about you. It's not about, you know, what you can have, but also how you affect others. And I think if we all can get that in our heads, then no matter what's happening, if everything is open, if everything is closed, then we're all going to be all right. We'll be safe. All right. Whew. Yeah. Great. Like this, huh? Great. We did Great. that. Yeah. <laughs> so wrap up as usual. Want to give you guys some 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 artistic engagement, something that you can check out or uh, bring into your life. I don't know if Ayada's ready today. I'm ready and I'm really excited about my book because um I was I buy it's a children's book, so I'm gonna put it out there. I buy a lot of children's book and it's really not because I read them to anybody, I read them to myself. And I really told, I don't know who I told, but I was like, I'm about to start getting on Instagram and just reading children's books, like as videos, because I feel like as adults, we stray away from children's books, but they have such amazing messages. Like, oh, I've, like I've never picked up a children's book and I was like, well, that was a waste of time. Like, you know, they're so deep and they're just, I just love children's books. Okay. So, and it's Ramadan. So if you guys don't know, I'm Muslim. So it's the month of Ramadan. So I picked this book. 
It's called The Proudest Blue. Beautiful. Oh, such a great book. It's by, her name is Abahaj, but she's a gold Olympic medalist. It's about her experience on wearing the hijab in the United States and a family story. Like it's, it, I really think it's an amazing book. That's my book. Yeah, that's educational in in a facet in the various facets. So, so I got my order that tonight. It's really dope. Absolutely. And for me this week, I have a book. Um, we have a baby's overall uh, book club book of the month. It's maybe hard to read. I think I can. I know how to fix it this time though. There we go, a little bit. So this is talking to strangers. Hold it closer to the screen. We're going to figure this out by episode 100. Talking to strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. Um, Malcolm Gladwell is an artist. There we go. Is an artist. I mean, not an artist, but, well, he is an artist. But he's a author. author that my mother actually introduced me to um, with his previous books. So this is his newest book. And it won't be um, the last book that a baby highlights for their for our baby book club uh, monthly read. And so I actually have not read, but I'm diving into it because I, I trust the past work of the artist, the author, the artist who is an author. And, you know, we're going to learn some things. Overall, it's basically boiling down to, to how do you trust someone? Why do you trust someone? And, you know, how people how people change. How do you read people? Amen. Are you frozen? Get your book. Did I cut the? Oh, I cut the volume down. I didn't change the light. I cut the volume down. I couldn't even hear yacht then. So this is all. This is dope. Episode five is real candy. What you just say? I just said yeah. Get, get y'all read on. I really think like get it on. Let me try this real quick. Can you read? Yeah, we could read it when you brought it close. Okay. If y'all don't know, like my lighting, I'm trying to figure my lighting out episode by episode. Yeah, she got the backdrop and all. You know, I need a haircut. We gonna talk about her hair. Man, trying to compete. Thank you. I really, this was a good episode. Absolutely was. So with that, everybody check out baby.org slash baby radio. We release our monthly schedule. Um, we're live um, via the schedule so you can check it out. And outside of that, tomorrow you can stream us Spotify. You can stream us uh, visually on YouTube. You can stream us on Apple Podcasts and listen to us also. So uh, make sure you take you know, what we're doing and, and try to help yourself. Because um, like James was saying, or like Toya was saying, like we're all saying, we're just trying to take what we go through and educate you. That's it. That's it. A little at a time. Thank you guys for tuning in. Absolutely. So right now, we're going to um, peace out, but DJ Tony Tonto is ready again. So we're going to bring him back on just because he's ready. And me and y'all are going to peace out. Make sure you tune in next week. Next Wednesday, we got our ACG alumni party. It's going to be a packed house, and we're going to have a whole lot of fun. Big shout out to our um, baby member graduates. As you know, they had to graduate from home uh, this week or next week. So we're proud of you all, and we, we, we thank you for everything you've given to a baby and will be given to the world. Amen. Thank you, guys. All right. Peace out, boss. Bye.